Hey everyone, this is Allison Lee, the host of CraftCast.com, and on today's show I'll be talking with Stuart Kestenbaum, the director of the Haystack Mountain School of Crafts, as well as lots of other things to share. So let's get started. Show number 168. Starting the day again, oh yeah, letting the sun shine in, uh-oh, I'm gonna dig within myself, uh-oh. Life may be never what you think, but I think I'll just go with it and create something new. Just get yourself right into your chair. Come on, listen, you can learn to create something new. It starts inside you. Well, hello, hello, hello. It's me, Allison Lee, back again for another week here from the Craftcast Studio. Oh, yes, where we all get to listen, learn, and create. Sort of my favorite thing to do, and I know a lot of yours as well. So what's new this week? Uh, I want to tell you first off the bat, because I don't want to forget, there is a free event coming up, a free online live event coming up with me here uh, from the Craftcast Studio on February 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and then even the event is called I Love Tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just in time for Valentine's Day, I say. And what's going to happen that night, and I know hundreds of you have already signed up, uh, I have some fabulous people coming on who are going to demonstrate their favorite tools they are using. Oh, I have a, a bevy of wonderful people coming on from Wannery Tanner, who makes amazing metal clay uh, pieces of jewelry. Uh, Ms. Jill Erickson, formerly from Art Jewelry Magazine, who's a wonderful, wonderful teacher, has some great tool, a great tool to show everyone. Ms. Cynthia Tinapple, who's taught many a night here with me, uh, with Palmer Clay. She has a great tool, must have for Palmer Clay. Mr. Patrick Cusick, Oh, yes, the wonderful genius teacher uh, who always shows just fabulous, fabulous tips and techniques. Uh, in the event in December, he showed us that uh, glitter mold for jewelry. It's still one of my favorite, I'm just saying. <laughs> if you miss that, I'm sorry, that's not something that's up there for um, to look at again. Uh, but I think, wait, I take it back. I think you can find that on the um, YouTube channel my Craftcast YouTube channel to see that demonstration. And then Ms. Celie Fago is coming on so excited. She has a great, great uh, device she uses for metal clay that you're just going to love. So here's the deal. To sign up for that event, just send me an email, allison at craftcast.com. If you could please, though, write in the subject line there, save my seat. Exactly like that, save my seat. Then you'll automatically get the response you need and the um, the info uh, to join us that evening. It's going to be fun. I'm just saying. Oh, and there's always prizes and giveaways also. There's always stuff. I just love a party online. So that's that. And also that night, drum roll, please, I will be revealing, unveiling uh, the new classes coming up for February, March, April, and May, and they are fabulous. You know, one of the passions behind 
the craft cast classes, say that three times fast, is I like working with teachers and putting together classes of things I'd like to be taking. So I think you're going to love it. I am so excited. There's some great things coming up. So all that, all that, February 8th, write that in your calendar and come online. Drop in. We'll have virtual cocktails. We always do. It's just so much fun. All right. So now what else? I Oh, I always like to review. I've been bringing in now reviewing some, um, maybe a website, a TV show, not just books and the regular things. So I am going to talk about a TV show uh, that... I just love, and I'll tell you why, it's called American Pickers. I don't know if that's a great name or not, but whatever. Uh, It's with Mike and Frank and Danielle. It's on the History Channel. And what they do is they go uh, all over America uh, looking for great finds in people's barns, in people's homes. So you sort of live vicariously. I don't know about you. I know I know so many of you have to be the same way. I love to go um, garage sailing and just hunting around in people's stuff. I'm just going to admit it. It's a passion. I love it. And these guys, you know, have it on the next level. They're going to people who've had collections for years in their barns and going in and what they find and what they show and what you can learn. Personally, I enjoy. I just do. Uh, And then there's that other show. I wasn't going to bring this one up, but I might as well. American Restoration. And I don't have that information right off the tip of my tongue, what channel they're on. They're not on that channel. I can't remember what channel they're on, but look it up. Uh, American Restoration. They redo all this stuff. So you find the old gumball machines, the old pinball machines, the old go-karts, the old whatever. They put it back to its original condition. And it is just so fabulous to see how they restore all these things. Anyway, there you go. If you're looking for something you haven't seen on TV, I find these both very enjoyable. American Pickers and um, I think it's just called American Restoration. And they're just fun, 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 fun. Uh, And then I'm in another fun mode here. This is a site that I just loved. I just loved uh, because it combines um, my love of sugar and pastries with my love of creative endeavors and uh, enjoyable, fun things, pastries. What can I tell you? It's a site. um, It's a UK site. It's cupcakeoccasions.com.uk. That's cupcakeoccasions.com.uk. And uh, a girlfriend of mine had shown me one of these pictures where they had done the full set of Muppets, you know, from Miss Piggy to Kermit to all the characters from the Muppet show, like the old guys that talk, all the different characters. And I'm like, all right, this person's a fiend with the pastry bag. They were genius. So then I tracked it all the way down to the site, and that's what it's called, cupcakeoccasions.com.uk. I'm a company in England. And it's just worth, if you want a little a little mouth party, visual mouth party, uh, and a break from whatever you're doing, check out that site. It's really inspiring what they do with cupcakes. And I'm just going to bet that they all taste amazing too. It's just really joyful looking. What can I tell you? These are the things I enjoy. <laughs> so take advantage of that. I always love looking at those kind of things. I was inspired. Not 
I don't even know how they, I, I wouldn't even know how to start with what they do there. All I'm telling you is that I enjoyed it very much. So there you go. I need a class in that. Maybe they can teach online. That would be fun, right? Well, there you go. A few things I've been doing and loving. Um, anyway, just hard at work here at um, everything coming up for the new season from uh, craftcast.com here. But I did take a break to talk to a wonderful man, uh, Stu or Stuart Kestenbaum, who is the director of the Haystack Mountain School of Crafts, which I know so many of you, I'm sure, have daydreamed and, and looked at that site and stared at, wouldn't it be nice to go away for adult camp and learn something fabulous? And uh, I believe I'm go- this is the year I'm going to be doing that. And so it was wonderful talking, wonderful talking to Stu and hearing all about that feeling, that environment, um, and what happens there. So I know you're going to all enjoy it. You're going to want to go, is all I'm saying at the end. Uh, and then I'm, I'll remind you after the um, after you hear the talk. But if you are listening on the Craftcast app, uh, make sure you check out the bonus section today because uh, Stu also writes poetry, and um, the bonus file today is him reading uh, two of his pieces. And I have to say, listening to them just reminded me again of my love of listening to poetry. I mean, just having someone read their thoughts that way uh, was really special. So if you don't have the app, buy it. $3, it's worth it. There's always great bonus material every week. So don't miss that. And right before we get to my um, chat with Stu, I have some music to play today by uh, a group that goes by the name Callie, K-A-L-L-I. You can get all these links. Come over to the Craftcast site. Um, where you can click through. And I have a piece of music by them today, and it's called Shine On Me. I hope you enjoy it. And then come on back, and I'll be chit-chatting with Mr. Stuart Kestenbaum. Stop heading my wind Fed up on the games that we play. Eyes wide open as we head into the night, and the stars are shining so bright, sister. I've been losing my mind Slow down Cause I'm falling behind Wish my troubles All drifted out to sea Because I just Wanna be free New York City
never felt so alone Think I'll start heading back home So many people that pass me in the street Feels like the ground's crumbling under my feet New York City Running down the streets and excited to talk to today's guest today because um, I have a little fantasy to want to go to the Haystack Mountain School of Crafts. And today I'm talking to their director, Stuart Kestenbaum, uh, who's the director of Haystack. And uh, it is located, I know, right on the Atlantic Ocean on D uh, in Deer Isle, Maine. And it's a school that offers intense studio-based workshops in a variety of craft media. I know we're all excited to hear about it. Stu, thanks for coming on the show today. Glad to be here. So tell everyone about Haystack. Just give them the overview, people who don't know or wanted to know. Biggest overview would be that it's a, a school or an intensive workshop program that's dedicated to creative process and working with uh, a wide range of craft media. We're located, as you said, right in, in Deer Isle, Maine. We're about... I think about six hours uh, from Boston. We're right on the coast. We're kind of, I'd like to think, at the center of the universe, but it might seem a little far to get here to some other people. And uh, our workshops are, uh, during the summer months, we have uh, uh, one- and two-week workshops for adults from all over the country and abroad. Last year we had students from uh, 17 countries and 44 states and they range in age for our, our summer programs have to be at least 18 and last year our youngest student was 18 and our oldest was I think 90 years old. Wow. So a, a great range of people and uh, uh, I think at the heart of the program is that people can come and they can work in an uninterrupted way so it's a retreat atmosphere and uh, and you uh, get amazing people coming in there to teach. We do. We have great teachers and sometimes even those teachers will come back and take workshops so it's uh, a great student body as well, and, and everybody uh, is really open to trying out new things. So it's uh, nobody's required to come. So when people are here, they're ready to be here, uh, eager to be, and, and ready to work. So within a, like a two-week workshop, people can make tremendous leaps in, in, in their work. You know, I know there's even something more going on there, too. There's that unspoken um, essence that makes people leave with that um, uh, inspired, I call it the high as the kite feeling, um, mm -hmm. ready to go. How does that happen? 
What is that? What is that? Well, I think it, it's partly uh, the school's location contributes to that because we're um, we're seven miles away from the small town of Deer Isle, right out on a, uh, a kind of a peninsula of the island. So we're we're far away from things. You're you're in a place where you don't have to think about anything else because we take care of your food, you get to work in the studio, you get to eat, you go back to work in the studio, mm-hmm. so you're not thinking about anything to do with life or humdrum parts of your your life, and right. you get to kind of reveal, you know, what you really want to do. I think that's a part of it. You're in a supportive community because you're with people, you know, everybody wants to be there, and it's a non-hierarchical community, so it's not like, a, uh, while it has the, um, you know, many skills are taught, it's not that there's a hierarchy of you know, who's uh, um, just beginning with their work and who has a master's degree. It's everybody is, is in it together. So I think it, it, it makes a supportive community. So I think all those factors really uh, build a, a sense of support so that you're ready to make those kinds of leaps that, that leave you elevated even after you've, you've gone home. And in fact, people can, uh, you know, carry those moments within them. They get back to their studio and, and work you know, sometimes three years based on, on the kind of catalyst of having been there and having seen it. So, yeah. it's uh, you know there are there are other programs that are are similar uh, to Haystack. Uh, I think ours is kind of of those is probably the most intimate in scale because we only have about eighty five people at any one time. So you also get uh, a certain sense of safety and kind of knowing who everybody is right. over, over the time that you're here. Yeah, and I think it must have to do with, I know when I've been to special places, that feeling of community, you know, you work, artists tend to work a lot alone, and then you're put in an environment where you're with people, sharing. I think the community is very, very powerful. It is. You know, in addition to the the workshops that we have in the summer months, we also have uh, retreat sessions. We have people who have taught at Haystack. Uh, can come back for a five-day retreat that we have every other year, and they get to work in in any of the studios, and we have technicians who can help them. And we have invitational uh, conferences where we'll invite people from different kinds of communities, like scientists and educators and writers, and but all all things dealing with creative process and materials. And and whatever those gatherings, there's a certain uh, sense of community that that builds, and and people feel supported in a way that I think we don't have all the time. I think people really yearn for community. And it's yes. uh, there, there are many different kinds of communities. You know, there's, the, there's the one that you live in all the time, but then there's a community where you're kind of what I would think of as a community of kindred spirits. Yep. You realize that you're, you're in there and there are other people who are like you. And, uh, and I think it makes a, uh, a huge difference in, in uh, your ability to feel safe to mess up and try new ideas and go places. Yeah, I agree. My shoulders just went down hearing you talk. Uh-huh. That's good. <laughs> That's good. We have, a, we have another program. It's, a, it's for high school kids from throughout Maine. We've had it for many years. We have there are seven, about 70 kids from as many different high schools from all around the state, and they're selected by their art teachers. And for some of them, it's the first time that they've ever you know, been to a place like Haystack. And for some of them, they may think they came 
you know, come from a small town, and they may think they're the only person who's like them mm-hmm. in the world. And 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 I've heard from many of them when they've gone on to careers in the arts, you know, that they they got to Haystack when they were 17 or 16, and they realized that there are other people like them, and that it was possible to be that kind of person and be creative and do the things you wanted to do. And and uh, and I think it's you know uh, very powerful to hear that from somebody who experienced it when they were in their formative years, but I, I think that's replicated uh, over and over with, with adults who come to. It's like realizing there's a, uh, in a way, there's a place for you, a creative place that's uh, where there are other people who are like you. It's so important. I, I was fortunate enough, my son, who is now a professional actor when he was young, just seemed to be one of those, you know, that stuck out just like you're talking about, and found a summer program for him, Stage Door, which did the same thing. And, you know, it is so important, especially for young people. It's for great. all and of and us, and but it mm-hmm. really helps for young people. And I think uh, realizing even if uh, the length of time, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a year-long program for it to have that impact. You know, it can be uh, two oh, weeks yeah. in oh, the yeah. right context uh, can be... Uh, um, can can be so uh, profound. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, a hundred percent. Now, Haystack was started in the nineteen fifty. Nineteen fifty one was the first year. Okay, yeah. and, and it was in its uh, Haystack Mountain is an actually uh, where the school is now. Haystack Mountain is an, uh, is a, a small mountain that's uh, about an hour and a half uh, um, southwest of the school, near between the towns. Uh, town of Belfast and and Augusta, and uh, and the school was located there in a kind of in a rural environment, and then a state highway came through the property, and and the school had to move, and it was a uh, a great move in that uh, we were able to move to Deer Isle, which is right on the coast, and uh, move into a uh, a campus that was designed by uh, Edward Larrabee Barnes, who's uh, one of America's most noted architects, and Haystack is, for many, seen as his uh, uh, finest work. Uh, it, it was inexpensively built. It only cost, when it was built in 1960, $5 a square foot. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's uh, cited in the landscape in a way that really is integrated with the uh, with the natural world. And, and uh, because of that, it's really uh, significant for many in the architectural community. And, and Haystack... Um, received from the American Institute of Architects an award called the 25-Year Award, which is given to a building or group of buildings that have had a significant impact on design in the country. So there are about 40 buildings that have that designation. Other ones are the Guggenheim Museum and Rockefeller mm-hmm. Center, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, the St. Louis Arch, uh, Faneuil Hall. Uh, so it's, a, it's a, you know, within a, a remarkable group of buildings. And uh, and I think that, uh, in a sense, uh, contributes to the sense of community because it, you're uh, in a series of, of cabins and studios that are all connected by decks, and you're on a sloping site going down to the water with a kind of main stairs. It's like like the, the main street of the town. Um, so uh, thanks to the state highway, we got to move to a new place, mm. and because of that, we had um, uh, some remarkable architecture, too. So it's... It, it it kind of uh, becomes one uh, one whole the architecture the site the, and the program and the food. 
the whole experience. All, all one, yes. It's amazing how the build. it's not amazing, but it just shows that the building and the environment, how much it can nurture and provide a space in your brain to be more creative. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, to me, it's uh, uh, very powerful to see the impact that the, the buildings have and also to realize that, that uh, well, uh, it doesn't take a lot of money to make a, a great building. It takes the right, right kind of design and that, that sometimes people look for bigger and better, but really it's, it's uh, I, I guess it's a kind of intelligent design. I agree with you. Make those buildings, you know, and 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 then when you see that happen, it it becomes uh, like another partner in in the, the program. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, where do you see right now? Um, obviously, over the years in the history of Haystack, where is it right now in craft? Like, what is? I don't like to use the word trends, but what is the style? What is the interest? What is the um, uh, you know, where is it at for people, what they want to study? And, you know, because so many things have changed in craft, certainly over the past 20 years. And I'm wondering how that's reflected at Haystack. Um, well, I think that now you have a lot more, uh, it's a lot more eclectic in terms of how people will pursue their work. If you look at, uh, like, ceramics, you know, maybe... 30 years ago may have been, you know, all high-fire, wheel-thrown stoneware. Not all, but, you know, lots of it would mm-hmm. be. And now you can go everywhere from people building work that's never going to be fired to slip casting to low-fire to high-fire to installation work. And and that's just within the, the one medium. And then you have areas like in the kind of textile fiber area where people... Uh, cross over into so many different techniques uh, and uh, and while at its heart are the techniques of the and traditions of of work in fiber it can be manifested in you know many different materials in, in many different ways so I think there's lots of, lots of crossover willingness to experiment I think there's still um, a, a yearning for the specific connection with materials and uh, and how the material helps define the work that's made mm. but I but I do think that that uh, and there are people who you know definitely work in one specific medium uh, functional pottery for example would be you know some of our most um, sought after workshops for people to take or working in in meeting uh, where you're actually making glass blowing okay in the in the in the ceramics, that would be functional meaning dishware. Yeah, yeah okay. like you're making a cup you could use. Right. Okay. It, it's definitely you know, and I think there's a um, maybe a, a greater sense of uh, the history that goes along with that, and as uh, as you know, the less the larger scale our culture becomes, maybe even the more sought after that might be. You know, the individual object, mm-hmm. but there are also people who you know just drawing from so many so many different sources, uh, not only within their medium, but across across different media now. Um, there are new technologies. We've just become involved with a, a, a collaboration with the Center for Bits and Atoms at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and we have what's called a fab lab. That was my at, next at question. Now. I was dying to hear yeah. about that. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a, a digital fabrication studio, and it's 
part of an international network of these small-scale labs which were developed by MIT. Essentially takes like uh, technology that would be very high technology, but but allows you to use it on a smaller scale and more of a human scale. So you have a basic configuration of equipment like a laser cutter and a CNC router and a milling machine. And within that configuration, you can uh, make many things from uh, you know their their labs in other countries that are making uh, prosthetic devices for kids to use. Mm -hmm. uh, you could use it for uh, boat building for all different kinds of design. Um, and we're using it to augment and complement the work of our studio. So if you're working in printmaking and, and you can use the laser cutter to make stencils or you could use the laser cutter to make stencils for glazing ceramics, you know, that's one application. If you want to do a prototype of a table, you could do that on a smaller scale and, and cut it out on a CNC router quickly. Mm -hmm. So we don't we don't see it as as taking the place of the hand. We see it as really that humans are creative and and we're at our most ingenious when we're creative. And that can be uh, you know, technology means everything from anything that that augments the work of the hand as a kind mm -hmm. of technology. So going from you know the wheel to a, a computer, a laser cutter is really just one big continuum of creativity, I think, for us. So this is a way of, of doing it on a scale that's appropriate to us. So we're not using one in, uh, in spite of the other. We're using right. them all together as a, as a way to make what needs to be made. So it's, to me, it's very exciting because it, it feels that it's like in our voice as a, as a place to use it but it's not it's not taking the place of something that you can if scissors are the answer then go with scissors right you know and if, if you need a laser cutter then go with the laser cutter and and the, the other thing that's been exciting is that, that as part of this we have doctoral students from MIT who've been the assistants in the in the lab when we have it during the summer so then you, it's just great to to be around people who are creative in their own endeavors but not necessarily in the way that craft makers would be and just to get to know them and see how they look at the world and they can get to know us. And uh, uh, and it, it really, I think, builds a lot of bridges between areas that y you would think don't have things in common, but I think, uh, in, in fact, really do, which is uh, ingenuity. It, it kind of ties it together. So it's it's very exciting to see that. Oh, I, it's, I live for that. I think that I love it when techno brings into art makes more things possible it doesn't replace you're right it just gives you more tools to play with yes yeah and it's just uh, I think another trend that it, you know going back to that when you're asking is um, that I think for you know people who are in university programs now they're already so used to being eclectic it's not a moment where they say oh, I, I can't believe I'm going to try to use this piece of equipment it just they just do it it's the world that they've come into is not one where those there are those barriers. I think they're just ready to use what they need to use. So, um, uh, you and you're know, they, saying that barriers removed because of age? I think so. I mean, yeah. I think it's a certain technology they're they're used to. I mean, they may have grown up always knowing that there was an internet and email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, so it's not like a you know to to use a touch screen as a novelty. It's just what is you know. And uh, so I think they're, they're you know, always, you know, uh, for them it's not a shocking thing. You know, the first time we got involved with a, 
uh, MIT was a, an invitational symposium that we did with them called Digital Dialogues, Technology in the Hand in 2001, and half the people were from MIT and half uh, Haystack invited with a craft background. Mm -hmm. and I, you know, it, it seemed like a like like a wedding where the families are very different. <laughs> and it was at Haystack, and then you know, it wound up being you know, I began to see just with an interaction that that we weren't that different. But I think the the feeling at the time was, oh well, these things would be so different. How would they even you know how would they get along? But now I think it's it there's a it, it's a much more natural thing for for those areas to get along. But but still great to to uh, I just find it very exciting to to have the conversations with you know somebody in in a, uh, science or research and to see what we uh, what we have in common is really it, it feels like a, like the best of humanity. I agree. That is great yeah. fun. I always thought the line that distinguished that's drawn in the sand is when people say, when putting something in front of them new and technology, oh, I don't want to touch it. I might break it. Mm -hmm. And that line has disappeared. People just sort of jump right in now. I mean, in such a few years, right. that has you can, changed. You realize you're not going to break it that easily. No, <laughs> not by touching it. Also, what I've noticed, I don't know, maybe you've seen it too, if people want the information, they're willing to take the risk of trying something they have no idea how to do. Mm -hmm. And the yeah, internet I, I, has definitely given that to people in the arts. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to be, I think, much more eclectic, too, and the, the sources you can you can draw from. Because oh. they're, uh, uh, the, the way that you have to use your skills, I think, is, is different now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, now, you yourself, I know that you have a book coming out with my friend, Mr. Tim McCright from his publishing company, yep. Brian Morgan Press. Why don't you tell us about your book? Sure. It's a, uh, it's a collection of writings that I've done at Haystack. Uh, uh, many of them uh, came from uh, every year I write uh, two, um, uh, we have two uh, newsletters, and I'll write a, a column for those uh, reflecting on community and craft and creative process. Some things related specifically to Deer Isle, some to Haystack, some to the weather. And uh, so I've been at Haystack for uh, 23 years now. So it's a significant number of them. And, and that is the kind of the, the core of the, the book. And then in addition, there are talks that I've given at um, different conferences uh, looking at craft and creative process and how we approach our work. So. Uh, the book's a combination of those those two things. Oh, that'll be exciting. I always love yeah. books that Tim puts out. They're always... He does a, he does a great job. I know. Yeah. He, and yeah. it, you just want to sit down and just have a long sit and be able to have a cup of tea and just go through it slowly and take it all in. Yes. And Tim, Tim just uh, um, designed a book for us, volunteered to design a book for us that uh, was a book about uh, Haystack's... Uh, Architectures. Last year was the 50th anniversary of the campus, and we celebrated that through a number of things. But one was a, a book called Vision and Legacy, uh, celebrating the architecture of Haystack. And Tim uh, pro produced and designed that book for us, which includes essays by people who were involved with the school and architects and people who've used it in different ways and historic photographs. And mm. uh, it's a beautiful book. Is that he, still available? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll make sure then that everyone can check the Craftcast site to get the link for that. I'd like to see that as well. Yes. 
Well, that's lovely. Do you do you find also that young people are because uh, some of us who talk worry about is craft dying out? Will young people still show up for these things? Do you find young people? I know you mentioned you have the high school program. Do you see it also um, in the twenties and thirties year olds for people showing up? Yes. Yeah. No. I, th- I think there's a. Uh, it's. Uh, that desire is still there for them, and I think it's in some ways there. There, you know, there are lots of places where you can get the kind of uh, technique workshops. When it used to be, uh, you know, there weren't as many in say 1960, 1970. There, there weren't as many resources. There's so many now. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of a lot of interest. We have a, a program that we started last year for. Uh, Art schools in the Northeast, where we have uh, we had uh, uh, ten different schools come to Haystack, eight students and teachers each, so they could basically have a chance to talk with one another. And we did some creative process workshops, but they had a chance to to see what other programs were doing. And uh, and uh, then in terms of the summer programs, we have um, a scholarship program, which I think helps attract um, could attract anybody, but in, in some cases. Uh, stu- people are just starting out, mm-hmm. and uh, it ensures that we have a, I think a, you know, a more diverse community right. in terms of our age mix. So I think, uh, no, I think that desire is still still quite strong. And I think, you know, really, if you look at all the things with DIY and Etsy, right, that if that's kind of a concurrent or complementary trend, that there's a lot of interest in, in the sense of scale and community and what makes things human and, and craft is like in, 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 in some ways like you know a great humanizer so I think there's to me there's always a, there's always a yearning for that and, and so we we still see that good well I think I see that on the I know I see that on the internet and globally as well craft has brought together uh, because of the internet it's brought together people interested in craft globally no matter the medium will pull people together when there's a passion for a medium. Yes. Yes. And that's always yeah. exciting. That goes through all kinds of boundaries and it doesn't matter. Yes. I think uh you know in some instances here you have people who are drawn to very particularly to a a, a medium and then others who are uh drawn uh to maybe the overall uh concept of community. And, right. and and within everybody, there are combinations of that, too. Right. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Thank you, Stuart, yeah. for sharing all that with us today. You're welcome. I'm going to stare at the pictures again and, and think about it. I've been going through the catalog there. It looks very exciting for the upcoming 2012 year. Yes, and the, everything is on, online, so it's really easy to find Yeah, let's just give that, let me give that um, URL. It's Haystack. Um, hyphen mountainmtm.org plus come over to the craftcast.com site and you can get a link so you can check it out well thank you very much once again i know you said it's snowing there so maybe you can just get snowed in and work away yes i will it's always good thank you thanks bye-bye well i hope you enjoyed that and make sure you uh check out the haystack website Uh, which you can find uh, by Googling it or come over to craftcast.com where you'll find all the links. I know I've been staring at the upcoming 2012 summer schedule is all I'm saying. (laughs) 
And please take advantage of if you have the CraftCast app or if you don't purchase it because uh, if you listen to, uh, I know you'll enjoy listening to Stu read uh, two of his pieces uh, of his poetry, which are available through um, dearbrookeditions.com, dear like in the kind that jump in front of your car, editions.com, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, you can get the link over at craftcast.com. So enjoyable to hear him read that. So take advantage of that. All right. So today's ET section, entertaining thoughts section of the show today. Um, I just wanted to um, briefly chat about an idea, a tip, uh, something that comes up a lot that I get a lot of questions is uh, how to get going in the studio, that how do you get there, as I always say, put your, put the old butt in the chair, how do you get your butt in the chair to start? And you know what? I'll tell you a lot of times it's a very overwhelming feeling because we're thinking, I want to start this huge project. I want to start a huge book. I want to start a huge uh, blog. I want to start, you know, there are these huge projects that we set ourselves up with. And darn, if that not, if that ain't hard to sit down in your, in your chair with a huge looming project and um, where do we begin? So here's my tip that works for me that I'm going to share with all of you, which is I literally, it's sort of like playing a trick with myself. I break it down into such bite-sized pieces that it's really doable. So let's say I am want to start a new uh, jewelry project, a ring or something for class. I start with, I'm just going to sit down and anneal the wire. For you who are jewelry artists out there, understand what that is. A simple production technique to get the wire ready. If it's um, writing a piece, an article, whatever, I sit down and just write the chapter headings or the thought ideas of what will be covered. Very simple. I'm going to sit down for just five minutes and get going with that part. Or if I'm setting up a photo shoot of something, I'm going to spend five minutes. I'm going to gather and put together some of my props and supplies. I don't say I'm going to do the whole thing and set it up and light it and shoot it and check da 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 da. Too much. Bite sized piece. But here's the tricky little part that happens is that that bite sized piece tends to lead to the next step very easily. So all of a sudden I find myself bending the wire and starting the project, or I find myself setting up the photograph, or I find myself writing writing some intro or the next blog entry, not just the ideas. It's like priming the well, getting out the WD-40, getting it going. Uh, it just, it's the way that we need to get going. It's the warm up, you know, years ago when I was a teen, I studied ballet and you don't just start pirouetting and leaping across the floor, you start with a warm-up at the bar <laughs> to get yourself in the mode to get going. So uh, keep that in mind, you know, it's just like warming up at the bar. Spend those minutes warming up and it won't be that overwhelming, never mind, I can't do it, don't have enough time, I'll wait till another day scenario. <laughs> oh, I share that all with you. I hope it gives you some food for thought. I know it helps me. Uh, and remember, all of you out there, please come February 8th, 8 p.m., free online party with me and so many fabulous people. I Love Tools Night, where we're going to be sharing. You'll see lots of videos of some of the, my most favorite instructors and people you all love as well. They'll be sharing their tools, what they love, and how to use them. And there'll be lots of uh, 
giveaways and fun, uh, as well as you'll see the whole lineup of new classes coming up on craftcast.com. So there we go. Another fun week here from the Craftcast studio. You know I love hearing from all of you. You can always drop me a line at allison at craftcast.com, as well as you can go to the Craftcast site and see all of the links and things I talked about in today's show. So you know what I have to say. Until next time, get your butt in the chair and keep crafting. Just get yourself right into your chair. Come on, listen, you can learn to create something new. It starts inside you.